Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everyone. So glad you've joined us here for the final live show of the year. Ah, yes, this is always a fun show. We're going we're gonna to leave 2015 in our dust today. Welcome in the new 2016 here. It, that's me taking off my coat because it's raining outside. It is. It is raining. There we go. Ah, right on time, right, guys? Perfect. Right on time. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Hey. <laughs> What's that saying? On time is late. <laughs> I do my best work under pressure. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, All right. You're doing, you're doing great over there, Dan. It's <laughs> the athlete. In no, I'll call you, start calling you Mr. Grody during the break, but anyway. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dan Podesto, and uh, it, Jason Grody's on vacation today, so we've got Mike Points in his place. Hello, everyone. Very capable replacement. Thanks for joining me, Mike. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Um, Glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun show. You've not done a year-end show. I was thinking about that. You know, I was getting up this morning, cooking my eggs, and 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 thinking... This is a year-end show, I bet. I don't think we're coming back. No, no. Yeah, we're going to take the next couple of weeks off to enjoy the holidays with our family. I'm actually going to be heading out of town. And, uh, Ditto. So, yeah, this is going to... This is going to be the wrap-up here. It was, a, it was an exciting week, too. Ooh, so. We're all out of town. That's Are amazing. You? Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be going out of town, too. Nice. Yeah. Holy smokes. Where's everyone going? Uh, Jim? Something I'm going to the valley. I got family. Oh, no, uh, definitely nah. not, unless you consider <laughs> Fresno Christmas town. But, <laughs> I can but see. Although there are some nice neighborhoods in Fresno that they really do decorate it very nicely. Sure. But, um, but yeah, that's where I'm going. Where are you guys going? I'm headed to San Antonio, Texas. Wow. Not been there before. I looked up the weather yesterday as I'm starting to do my laundry this weekend and get ready to pack. I'm like, uh, it's going to be 76 degrees. Do you have family in San Antonio? My wife's sister. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, they're in the Air Force. They live um, right in San Antonio. And uh, it should be great. I have actually, I've only driven through Texas. I've only driven through Texas, not really, you know, hung out there. But other than, other than the fact that they love football and everything's bigger there. I know nothing about it. Yeah, it was pretty. I I've only been to Austin myself, but it was a okay. It was a fun fun town. I heard it's it's up and coming. Everyone I've been, you know, when you at, we talk with our borrowers all the time. We've got relationships with vendors, and you, they're all kind of being friendly and asking, "What are you doing?" And as soon as I say San Antonio, I feel like I lose track of the I lose the conversation. They take over and say how great it is. Well, I. It, for whatever reason, a lot of our a lot of banks are based in Texas. Okay, I, I can only imagine it's tax. Sure, there's some tax reasons or something, but yeah, right. there's a lot of a uh, lot of banks based in Texas. So we actually do some business with a couple of companies that are based there. Okay, so yeah, yeah that's where I'm headed. Cool, I'm uh, I'm heading to Tahoe. Uh, well, I'm heading to Sacramento and then to Tahoe. That's wintry. Yeah, yeah. Gonna are you gonna hit show the, the kids the snow? Yeah, nice. Uh, I bet try. you it's terrific out there now. Yeah, I hear the the snowpack is better than it's been, so I'm yeah, yeah, cautiously yeah. optimistic that I won't see too many rocks. Right. But yeah, I, I think <laughs> right. it should be fun. I haven't been in several years because either just 
lack of lack of the white powdery stuff or um just right don't have the time yeah yeah that's so, the thing. yeah i'm looking forward to it i think i know where my snowboard is in my garage that's about it <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. cool that that'll, that'll be good yeah it's gonna be a fun time so we're uh We've got just a few more business days left in the year, mm. and uh, and this past week was an exciting one. As everyone, I'm sure, knows, unless you were hiding under a rock somewhere, that the Fed met and made a made a big decision to raise interest rates for the first time in I think it was nine and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So pretty pretty big deal. We've obviously talked about it leading up to this quite a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. and I think today we're going to spend a little time talking about it some more. We're also going to have an opportunity for our year-end predictions uh-huh. for next year. And I'm going to tell you, Mike, since this is your first year-end show, um, there's no pressure here to be right in any way whatsoever because I'm, we're not usually. Right, right. okay. Yeah. Uh, last year on this show, I predicted that today rates would be about, I want to say about 5.5%. Last year you said that. Last year I said that. Okay. Because last year they were nice about 4.5%. Right. I was wrong, obviously. Sure. Very wrong. Sure. Um, I can't remember the other predictions. I should have gone back and listened to the show. I'm assuming they were all market-related. Not like the A's will win the World Series or anything. It's, it's got to be relevant. Yeah, right? I'm bad at those kind of predictions, too. <laughs> I just, you know what? I, I can say this. you're a little biased. <laughs> Actually, we should sit down during the week at the end of next year the Christmas and go through and get the audio clips and just, Hey, we made this prediction and yeah. 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 You know, you and I and Jason should get together like maybe a week or so before this uh, prediction show. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. I'd like that. That'd be cool. Remind myself how wrong I can be sometimes. I think that I I'm enjoying, I'm, I'm ready for those predictions. I I have got a couple and uh, I I think that it'll be a a worthwhile show to uh, listen to next year. I agree. One other thing of note before we dive into the the big stuff. Uh, we had our company Christmas party this past week. Yes, we did. That, that was, was pretty lovely. fun. That was great. It's a uh, gosh. I, and I want to say there's more chairs this year than there ever have been around the table. I mean, we got some new people. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I feel like all the spouses came. Yeah, pretty much. You know, the ones who weren't sick. Almost. Yeah, almost all a good percentage. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We we had our company party at Foremost Wine Company in San Luis Obispo, and it was a nice nice dinner. Yes, nice evening. Um, opportunity to get outside of the office with one another and not talk about work too much. Mm, it's just yeah. kind of in your blood a little bit, so it's hard oh, it's not to bring out. it up. But yeah, it's like past the peas. Can you believe that <laughs> fixed rates are? <laughs> yeah, it's ha- it has to happen though, and that's what's so great about those holiday parties is that. You do have a lot of common ground with these people where normally the awkward, uh, what do I say next is you could just jump right back to remember that loan we were doing on Monday and now it's over. And I feel like those holiday parties are always enjoyable because you finally get the moment to like learn a little bit more about the person yeah, than what they do for you at work or how you help each other at work. I agree. I agree. We, you know, at our company, we really, we do, we do a few things outside of work. Um, kind of where it's kind of cool to have the spouse there because you can that you you find out what the spouse does a little bit and you know what the outside interests are and sure it's kind of a little bit more right it's kind of it's kind of cool that way and they're they're really there to yeah. to 
you know, point out all the all the lies and, and BS that are fed to you by your coworker. So right. it's yeah. That way you really get to know who they who they really are. Because the spouse yeah. is there to validate yeah. right. everything. Dan's really a neat freak. <laughs> Not <laughs> Not at home. <laughs> no. So yeah, that was fun. Oh, a little while ago I read that that about thirty percent of companies don't have a holiday party. Mm. And I thought that was pretty unfortunate. I think it's a good um good way to to get true develop yeah the personal relationship and and just yeah develop that camaraderie too i think there needs to be more time during the year too to have like you know a friday where you have a barbecue together i agree like, but well, we bowling night that. or something yeah we're actually having ours at um uh, Rooster Creek, the well, the holiday party. But you yeah. haven't had it yet. No, you guys doing it on Christmas gonna, or what are you doing? Be, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> a couple but days. So we're doing it on Rooster Creek, but um, he's up, baby. Yeah, but um, but we do that as we do the the the, the like the um, white like elephant. The, the, yeah, we do like it, but we do in the middle of the year. We do like barbecues. Oh, and stuff okay. like yeah, that, that's cool. You know, we get away, and then we go, and then you know, we get away from here. We go to a park. We use a park. We go. Barbecues, we do like um, potlucks and stuff like that. Sure. So it's kind of nice because you can see what other people's interests are. And yeah. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, holiday parties a bit late this year, but yeah, we are still doing it at Rooster <laughs> Creek. Yeah. Cool. That'll be fun. Um, okay. So as I said, it's uh, it's the Dan and Mike show today. That's right. Yeah. Happy to be here. It's gonna be great. In case you you don't know or you didn't catch it earlier, we uh, we represent Central Coast Lending. We've got. Offices all over the county. Just opened uh, our newest office in Atascadero in August, o- October. Excuse me, October. It's only two months Probably old. Started in August. Yeah, started talking about maybe, it. Maybe started thinking about it then. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're all around the county. We're uh, we're a direct lender. We can also broker loans. We can do whatever is in your best interest. Um, we really just see ourselves as as the experts in the mortgage process and the mortgage programs, and we help you get into the right loan for your needs. and And this show serves as as an opportunity to share with you the kinds of news and, and information that we're soaking in every day to help make better decisions for you. Um, some of these big stories, like the Fed raising interest rates, obviously that you can see the connection pretty clearly. Other things like consumer price indices or you know manufacturing numbers or things like that, it, the, the correlation isn't so clear, and that's why we're here to try to explain you know what those that's metrics right. mean and right. how they impact the mortgage and real estate market. Right, is crude oil dropping a problem for next year, and, and will that affect earnings reports for companies, and therefore maybe help the mortgage market, help the bond market do better? I think that most of the people that listen to this show really like how um, the layout of the show because we do hit on real life questions and you know issues, challenges, if you will, in the real estate market as well. I mean, I, I reflect back over the years, this year, excuse me, the months, I should say, we had the title officers on the show. Uh, we have uh, Wes is you know consistently on the show, a real estate agent here in town who. It's a broker of Patterson Realty, and I think it's a really good, it's just a really good content for people to to discuss. I love what I do, and I love being on the show because I, I've never been in a conversation where real estate wasn't relevant. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have to live somewhere, right? 
but it's also like oh even if it's not the person like i'm gung-ho about real estate my dad does real estate or my wife is a realtor or it's just connect it's just part of our clock or i'm doing chores yeah. around the house this weekend and yeah. you know right. fixing something what is what should i fix what it's, will give me the most value it's one of the primary go-to's in small talk right you've yeah. got weather you've got your house yeah. you know maybe a maybe a car story or something yeah your kids you both hate the same team yeah i mean it's it's <laughs> one of your go-to's it's very yeah. relevant i mean very relevant Everyone's got to live somewhere, and and so that's why, and, and it provides a lot of jobs too. You know, we've covered that over the years. That certainly, um, you know, there's so many things that are dependent on uh, a stable housing market. I'm not even going to say strong, just a stable housing market mm. to um, sustain other other sectors. You know, the, the furniture stores they need to have homes for this this furniture to go into contractors right yeah exactly there's there's so many different things that that go into this that's why we feel it's really important to share this information with you it also gives us an opportunity to to just let you know who we are a little bit and how we think and and um you know just a little insight into our character um so that when the time comes hopefully you'll do you'll at least consider doing some business with us so mm -hmm. that's what we're all about and uh, I thought that was a good way to start the show. It's yeah. perfect intro here. Um, I think we need to take a quick little break, and then we'll get right back into the news um, that's that happened this week and, and how it's impacting your life. So stick with us for more Mortgage Matters after this break. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Our loans are not trucked in from some big thing. They're raised right here on the Central Coast. No hormones, no GMOs, no antibiotics. Call today and get your gluten-free mortgage from a caring lender that knows you only accept the best for your family. Just call Central Coast Lending. You buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. 
Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Love this time of year with all the Christmas music. Eggnog. Eggnog. Mistletoe. The holiday parties. It's a lot of fun. Got a holiday party tonight with my wife's family. Some of the best memories of my life were going to my grandmother's house every year, Christmas Eve, and doing the holiday party. Grandma would make, like, Italian grandmother just, like, knocks it out of the park you know mm-hmm. anything she touches has like too much butter and you know do you do raviolis for um you know i don't do raviolis i do i have we have a special dish that we do it's a stuffed roll okay very good um i'll have to make them for the office sometime we always did ravioli for for uh, a christmas one of the you know one of the dishes at christmas time sure just I think Grandma had to them. make for, you know, 40 people. So she was more like, let's do lasagna and get this thing banged out. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, every year, Uncle Chuck somehow misses Santa coming. And then about, you know, age 12, you're like, wait a second. Uncle Chuck is Santa. <laughs> Maybe it was 10. I hope I was quicker than that. I hope I got it before 12. But anyways, you always, <laughs> you always leave like... That's Christmas, you know? Like I I couldn't There's be happy. Sixteen year old Mike driving away from Christmas really bummed that he found out it was Really? <laughs> really? There's no Santa driving away. Yeah, so um it's just a it makes it puts a lot of things in perspective too, you know. You get the Christmas holiday, but you also get New Year's, which makes you think like what's different this year than last year and how did I do and you know, being I'm I'm in my mid thirties, so you know my wife and I are always kind of thinking like, what's next um, for us? But I think what's interesting about this last year, especially in business, was how much the the process changed for how we do business at the time of closing. Yeah, you know, bringing in these new these new trid procedures. Yeah, escrow has a cute little acronym called the reason I drink. That's trid. <laughs> it's it's really the Tilla Respa integrated disclosure. It's an attempt. It's actually the, the it's the it's the final piece. Um, of the Dodd-Frank legislation being implemented into the mortgage business. It's an attempt to make the loan process at the beginning as well as the conclusion um, more clear to the borrower as to what they're signing up for, um, the actual terms of the loan, if there's any risky features, the the costs, the costs over the life of the loan, the interest cost. Mm -hmm. It really, um, it it combines uh, several forms into one. Or actually two, you know, one at the beginning of the process and a separate form at the end of the process. Correct. Um, it combines several forms into these new forms, which do a, do a pretty good job of clarifying the, the numbers of the transaction, the, the, the stuff that most 
people care about. Yep. Um, yep. And however, there's also been a, you know, an additional delay implemented into this process with the closing. There's now a, a, a pause for all transactions, whether it be purchase or refi, that once the final closing disclosure, which is the name of the final document, once that final closing disclosure is issued, there's a three-day cooling off period for the, the borrower to review that closing disclosure, compare it to the initial loan estimate, which is the other new form, the mm -hmm. loan estimate, which was delivered up front at the beginning of the process, and see if anything has changed. And if there are changes, then during the loan process, there should have been notifications to the borrower uh, via the change of circumstance form. So there's a there's a very clear form that's issued when something significant changes to the loan. Right. Whether it's a loan program, addition of a prepayment penalty, maybe a interest rate in, lock. Yeah, and a rate a, a loan goes from floating to lock. Yeah. Um, you know, even something simple like a loan amount change or a yeah. oops, I I transposed some numbers in your address you know, on the initial application, mm -hmm. anything changing that could impact the, the loan transaction is disclosed to you during the process. So then you have a three day period to compare the final version of your closing disclosure to the initial version, which is called the loan estimate. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great, great process. But what we're finding as a in, in actual practice now, this went into this, this in reality. Yeah. Yeah. This became reality with all new loan applications as of October 3rd of yeah. this year. So now, you know, a typical loan process takes 30 to 60 days to close. So now we're seeing those first trid transactions come, come to fruition here yeah. and we're seeing where the problems are. We're hearing a lot of, um, a lot of feedback that, it's it's tougher for the mortgage companies that are that are structured as brokers because there's a there's a little less control over the issuance of those disclosures. Mm -hmm. um, they're relying on an underwriter to clear the loan of all of all conditions, making sure that the loan is in a closable um, state. Right. You know that that everything is documented appropriately. This is a this is a loan that um, really only needs loan documents to be signed and returned, and then it can be a, a a completed transaction. But there are challenges sometimes in getting to that stage, and and it's it's causing problems when there are close of escrow dates that need to be met because people have moving trucks waiting. Yeah, and let me elaborate. Let me just kind of piggyback on that, Dan. It's not just the fact that you know, maybe it takes you another two to three days to get done and you're you're the seller, or excuse me, you're the buyer ready to move into the house. Many times in this market, that seller needs your escrow to close so that they can get paid, right? And then those funds can now go into the loan that they're going to need to buy their house. And then that, the consequently, that lender for their loan may be a broker and that underwriter's not ready to clear the file until they can see cash in their hand. And so it's really pushing out every transaction that it's a domino effect is probably the best way to, you know, visualize it metaphorically. It's a domino effect that affects a lot of people, especially in a market like we're like we've been experiencing for quite a while, which which is a market with short supply. Correct. We're seeing offers that are written contingent upon the seller finding a new home. Mm hmm. Or, you know, a variety of reasons um, right. why one transaction may impact others 
down the line. So we actually have a firsthand experience within our office. One of our loan officers mm-hmm. um, sold his home up in Paso Robles. He, um, he bought a new home. He was in escrow. He knew what his closing date was. Um, the people who were moving out were also buying a home. Okay. A new home. And so he he saw that there was going to be a little overlap in him, you know, in his escrow closing and, and them still needing to be in the house before their escrow closed. So he agreed to a, a one week rent back. So he was so our loan officer, Will, Will Barnaby, he's been on the show before. He closed escrow and agreed to rent back so he had a friend who agreed to let him and his family stay at their house for a week mm-hmm. well a week has gone by in fact more than a week has gone by now and mm. the folks still they're they're nearing the conclusion of the process but they can't get the loan in a what's called a clear to close status they can't get all the little nitpicky underwriting conditions right. satisfied through the broker that they're working with um, and because of that, they can't issue that final closing disclosure. Mm. So even when that final disclosure, uh, that final closing disclosure is allowed to be issued, Correct. there's still going to be another three day waiting period before That's right. the, that borrower can sign their loan documents. And then there's usually another 24 to 48 hour delay until the loan is funded. So that's a business so week. So right we're talking there. another week. Yeah. Um, and we're not even to that point Correct. where we can do the week countdown. So it's kind of frustrating. If it were a different structure with that company, if if they felt that this was a strong file and they're really just battling over one final nitpicky condition that, you know, they they're confident can be satisfied, if they were a direct lender they could go ahead and issue that closing disclosure because they're confident in the file closing. They could go ahead and, and issue that closing disclosure when they felt the timing was right, um, you know, and, and know that while that three-day delay is occurring, they can still go ahead and work through that final item or two, whatever's remaining. Yeah. And they could just help speed that process along. But because they're brokering the loan and they don't have that control, they're not able to make that decision and they're just dependent on this all the the issues being satisfied before they can move to the next step so and i'm gonna i'm gonna just chime in really quick dan i i really try to 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 get that point across to our real estate agents the ones that work with me now and the ones that i'm trying to get to work with me in the future you know our competitive advantage at central coast lending is that we are very able and willing to control the transaction and many times we do we understand that every loan has conditions that need to be cured, but we are able to manage this because of the way we're structured. And when you put us up against our competition out in the marketplace, we can do things based on our confidence and our process that can get us to that closing disclosure more efficiently and accurately. Accurately. I mean, we're not. I'm not saying that we just willy-nilly jump right over this this process, this compliance. I'm just saying we are prepared to close transactions because we understand the process and we have we have the responsibility as a direct lender to do it correctly. I think a lot of brokers what happens is they, they get the loan, they have the relationship with the, the buyer or the or the they're referred to by the real estate agent and 
honestly, they, they're probably great loan officers, but they lose control after that submission package goes into their investor underwriter, or excuse me, lender, until the underwriter says, hey, this one's all good. And why would an underwriter just say, you know what, just do this, this closing disclosure. If they've got some serious conditions to clear, that's that's their job. Yeah, it, it and I, you know, it's speculation, but- I might digress. A but. little bit here, but I, it makes, you know, part of it's control over the process, part of it's just communication. Mm-hmm. Communication is very key in this industry. There's there's people who are depending on income from you know being in the real estate profession. There's people whose yeah. lives are being impacted because this, we're talking about the the roof over their head. Shelter. Um, yeah. So there's a there's a lot that goes into it, and communicating the issues, you know, early and often is the only way to operate in this business. And it it seems like in this transaction there's a communication issue because if if we're still hung up, you know, more than more than a week and a half after a, a scheduled closing date, what's really going on? Is there something more major that's not being disclosed here? Um, you know, because if it's if it's something right. minor, oftentimes even even a broker can reason with the underwriter and say, hey, you know, we're talking about verifying a a five hundred dollar deposit you know, that's, yep. that's not really clearly identified on this bank statement. Yep. And really we don't even need that money to close this transaction. So let's, let's work, let's figure out what the agreeable solution is, but let's not hold up this process. And oftentimes an underwriter will say, okay, I, you know, I, I agree with you. We can satisfy this. I'm confident, but let's continue to, to move forward and, and try to get that you know, meet the dates that we're supposed to. Yeah. Um, so it seems like there may be a communication issue here as well. I think so. I think this is also an opportunity if you're a builder, um, whether you're doing infill projects or development projects, you know, you need to be starting to think about who your partners are when you have a preferred lender. You want to you want a lender who understands this process because a week when you're a developer, a week without that money is a week you have to put off the next building project. And many times they roll that that the proceeds of one project right into another. Isn't that correct, Dan? I mean, yeah, sure. And so I'm, j- I'm just saying this because I know a lot of people listen to this show from all different walks of the uh, real estate industry. If you're a builder, it's a good time to, you know, give Central Coast Lending a call and talk to us about how we can partner with you on projects to give you assurance with the end in mind. You know, this borrower is pre-approved. This borrower is ready to go. You won't have a problem at the end because we understand how to control the end process as well as just take a loan app and submit a file. Yeah. Yeah, there's a it's a it's a business that that a lot of people get into because it's a lucrative business, um but they don't necess- you know, so so they might come from a sales background. Mm. Um that you know, could have been selling really anything, but they've got a real estate license now they're selling that. It doesn't necessarily mean they're an expert in in the underwriting guidelines or an expert in um in in all the nuances of loan programs and and you know those kinds of things those are really important that's something that we make sure that every member of our staff is trained on so that when a file is when an application is first taken we're doing we're we're beginning that underwriting process then and there we're not waiting until you know we we don't just gather tax returns and in, and pay stubs and bank statements and not even review it and then turn it over to an underwriter hoping that everything that the borrower said is accurate and right. you know most 
most people don't know guidelines. So a loan officer needs to needs right. to be that expert, right. needs to begin that underwriting process, as do processors, as you know, everyone down the line who's touching that file needs to have some element of of uh, of underwriting understanding in their repertoire as they look at this file and, and analyze what they're looking at. So that's what, what we do. We make sure that we're doing a really good job up front of identifying issues so that we're not getting 45 days into a 30-day transaction and discovering that, hey, you know what, this might not work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You've now put a lot of people's lives um, into into some tough situations here. Correct. So Correct. It's, a, it's, it's definitely... Um, I think it's exposed some companies a little bit. We're, we're hearing some feedback now through the real estate community. A lot of realtors are, are, are providing feedback about where the hangups in the process are. And, and so far, the consistent trend has been that, um, and, you know, I believe in the broker model. I believe in the diversity of, of, of having multiple investors to work with and that. But, but a little loss of control, a little lack of control, and perhaps... You know, just issues with communication um, at a company are, are are the consistent things that we're hearing right now as, as yeah. being problematic in this new process. Right. Yeah, because not truth be told, not every agent we work with just works directly with us, right? Yeah. Many times they're the listing agent, and so they're just at the mercy of whoever the buyer decides to use. And And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good, solid loan officers in this county I think one of the things we do very well at Central Coast Lending is just keep up with the guidelines. And that's one of the things I wanted to segue into, Dan, is just just to mention, especially for uh, those who have tried and failed this, um, as of December 12th, non-occupant co-borrowers don't have the same requirement they used to have, whereas the occupant, which is usually the son or the daughter, so mom and dad are buying son and daughter a house, the occupant used to have to have 5% of their own money down for the purchase price and now because of the way guidelines have loosened up a little bit maybe the economy's back or maybe you know fannie mae is starting to realize that a lot of a lot more people are buying houses this way as of december 12th you can buy a house with your kids and they don't have to have any money down in the transaction as long as you have good credit scores and you know all everyone involved can show that they're qualified to buy the house And that's a game changer because on a $450,000 home, it's very unlikely that that 30-year-old kid has $28,000 in the bank, $24,000 in the bank. Yeah. It was preventing preventing families to do what they wanted to do, which was acquire a home for their, their kids and help out as much as they can, which is probably what happened to them when they were kids. And so it's a really cool moment where we can help explain that not only to our listeners here, but people who are in that situation are thinking about buying a home in 2016. Yeah, it's a good point that you make. Um, we, we do keep up with the, the industry changes. They happen often. Um, the, as you, as you mentioned on December 12th or over that weekend of December 12th, Fannie Mae updated a number of guidelines. Um, they, they updated their, high balance loan, maximum loan to value. So in our county, in San Luis Obispo County, um, Fannie Mae will lend up to $561,200. That's uh, above the conforming loan limit of 417. Mm -hmm. You know, in an effort to help stimulate the housing market and keep money a little more 
fluid than it was right. in 2008, 2009. Right. Um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac both implemented this, this I call it a middle tier of, yeah. of lending opportunity yeah. here. There's always been Fannie Mae's loan limits, and then there's anything over that's jumbo loans. The jumbo loan market is still thawing out. It, you know, it's, it's pretty good now, but for a while there, it was darn near absent altogether. Mm. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac stepped in with buying these higher loan balances. Previously, those higher loan balances were limited to a 90% loan to value, and now they will allow them to 95%. So as you said, if someone's gone in before and been turned down for a mortgage because maybe they didn't have enough equity in their home and their loan balance is too high to qualify for a regular conforming loan, yep. um, the rules change all the time. Um, so it's always worth checking back in. There's no cost to ask yep. a question or to get, That's right. you know, come and sit down and, and hash out more complicated issues, whether it be how should I... Um, how can I qualify for a loan next year? You know, with, here's my tax returns and I don't show enough money. How can I make this work? Or, you know, I don't have a lot of money down. How can I make this work? Come on in and, and we'll help you. We'll help educate you on what the most current uh, program guidelines are that will help you qualify. We'll develop a strategy if you can't qualify currently. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about planning. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. buying a home shouldn't be a hasty decision anyway. Mm -hmm. It should be something, especially for a first time home buyer. There's a lot of education that needs to occur. Mm -hmm. You need to understand your budget. You need to understand the unexpected expenses that come with home ownership. Mm -hmm. And you need to, un you have to have a plan on how to buy a home and be able to afford it so that you can still, you know, go out to dinner and, and oh yeah, have a life. Yeah, have a life. You know, you don't want to just <laughs> right. buy a home and be house poor and right. and and feel like you you're regretting that decision. Um, so there's there's a lot of planning and and part of it's education on on the different loan programs and how to qualify and and the rules that it takes to to get approved for. Yeah, some of our listeners are very affluent. I mean, I'm sure half the stuff that we say they kind of know, but here's what it just baffles me all the time. I'll go to these you know, baby showers or weddings or just like, you know, birthday party get togethers. And I'm talking to these young professionals, you know, we, we've, we've carved out a little area in the room and I try not to bring up uh, banking, but somehow it always happens. And they say, gosh, you know, we would just love to have a house, Mike, but we just don't have 20%. And I, I mean, it happens all the time. And I've, I've, I think I have a, like a, a face that I make every time. It's not like a jaw dropping face, but it's just kind of like, how come no one has told you this yet, face? And they it's interesting how many of those conversations have led to a meeting, which then lead to within two months, they're buying a house because they were like, wait, mortgage insurance is not the devil. It's not that bad. You can drop off. It's only how much. And they realize it's going to take me five years to save 20%. I could get in today putting five or maybe 10% down. And my mortgage insurance is only 182 220 a month if I pay that for five years and the appreciation of my house gets to 20% equity that's like a fraction of what I would have had to save up yeah. and I'm in the market experience appreciation I'm experiencing the ability to write off my uh, mortgage interest against my income on my schedule A of my tax returns I'm I'm experiencing quote-unquote the American dream 
but there's always the balance, right? It's like, okay, if you do this, what's your life going to be like? And I think in San Luis, it's tricky for people. A lot of our San Luis natives are, shouldn't say natives, but, you know, friends have to end up looking in Arroyo Grande, uh, Grover Beach, Atascadero, but they want to live in slow, so sometimes they stay here and they rent. And I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that there's opportunities now with these new guidelines that we've just mentioned to you for if you got in the housing market, you had to get an FHA loan because you didn't have enough. You can actually refi right now into a high balance loan. And you probably have 5% equity in your house just based on the appreciation from this year, which was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. You should be looking into that and getting the FHA mortgage insurance off your back. You know, yeah, and consider that there's also there's lesser known programs. This is another one of the guideline changes that occurred over the December 12th weekend uh, with Fannie Mae. It's the it's their new home ready program. So uh, you don't hear this loan program talked about a lot, but it's it's an opportunity for a first time home buyer to get into a, a home with three percent down. There is mortgage insurance, but it's a uh, it's a the lowest tier of mortgage insurance. It's the most affordable mortgage insurance on the market. Mm-hmm. And it's something that can also go away when you've, when you've achieved the 20% equity in your home. Um, so it's, it's another way to get into, into real estate in an affordable way. You can, that 3% can be a gift from a family member. Right. Um, it, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, you know, there's there's the core programs, the FHA, the VA, the USDA, the conventional loans. But then there's these little, these little carve outs. Um, yeah, yeah, carve outs is a good way to put it. Of of other programs, they're kind of, you know, they're they're aimed at a certain segment that might be a little underserved, um, and and so that's exactly where you know home ready might step in. It's someone who earns a certain level of income or under a certain level of income, which in our county is like... 107. Uh, yeah, $107,000. That's combined. a pretty darn good income yeah, to qualify yeah. for something that's labeled a no income or a low income loan program. That's right. So these are the kinds of things that when um, you come in, you get this education, you get really good communication, and uh, and we understand the process and work proactively towards on-time closings. That's right. It's about as concisely as I can say how we do business. Home ready mortgage, one last technical piece is the maximum loan amount is 417 so you know we talked about high balance just now and we kind of segued into it but you know we know this dan but we may not mention it. if you if this has sparked your interest with three percent down 417 would have to be your maximum loan balance so just a little disclaimer <clears throat> we've teased it a little bit here but there was a there's a lot of news this past week there was the the fed announcement for raising interest rates uh, there were a couple of other um, pretty big news um, items this past week that impacted our markets a little bit. So we are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to dive into that, um, some of those big headlines that, that came out this past week, and we'll discuss that a little more. Stick around with more. We'll have more Mortgage Matters after the break. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. It's the final Mortgage Matters of 2015. So glad that you've joined us on a rainy day. It's nice. I know. Nice to have the rain fall. snowing in Tahoe, Dan. I hope so. Right now that powder is getting in place for you. Yeah, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. My son doesn't know it, but he's been to the snow once. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, it'll be fun to actually have him be able to go out and play in the snow. Right. Bringing the dogs with us, too. They love the snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't taken my dog to the snow yet. That'll be fun. We're going in February. Cool. We already got a little spot. Nice. Picked out in South Lake. Right on. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this is the part we've all been waiting for. We're going to build up to the big one, though. Um, There are... The last couple of months, you know, we've speculated about the Fed raising interest rates. And we all know that they did this past week, mm-hmm. but I wanted to set the stage for for you a little bit. Um, they've been very clear in what they've been looking at. They're, you know, it's the decision to raise rates has been data dependent. They've been looking at the markets, not just our market, but all markets really, Rightfully world markets. So. Yeah. Um, they've been looking at some of the key metrics here domestically. They've been looking at our housing, which actually is something that we haven't heard them talk too much about in the last six months, because. Um, for the most part, across the country, I think housing is is mostly healed um, in that values have been restored. Um, interest rates are obviously extremely low. Mm-hmm. And 
quite a bit of ownership is cash too. Yeah, there's there's a lot significant of significant cash ownership. It, you know, loan programs have been restored. We've we saw things tighten up so much, and we've we've seen the pendulum, so to speak, start to swing back to what might be a more prudent um, prudent spot. Uh, as far as decision making, credit qualification, mm. um, so I, I think the Fed has, has stopped focus so much on housing. Yeah, there's still a supply issue, still a, a lack of building, um, but even here locally, we're seeing that there's a lot of stuff in the pipeline. I know you're pretty tuned in with the Home Builders Association, yeah, and so we're seeing that there are a lot of projects in the pipeline, and I think, you know. Th- they're starting to trickle out now, but 24 months from now, um, we're probably going to see a, a good number of homes on the market with all that's in the in the hopper. Um, seeing a lot of infill projects now, and also individuals just saying, "Hey, the land that we bought back in you know 09, 10, 11, we're ready to put a house on it." Yeah, and yeah. just just to evidence that that one issue in housing we we had a number this week uh with southern california home sales were down over 19 percent month over month and part of that seasonality part of it's just supply issues also correct um so i think that's an issue that even the fed recognizes is it's something you can't change overnight it takes time to um you know for developers to acquire land get through the the planning process start to put a shovel in the ground and, and raise structures. So it, it right. takes time, but I think even the Fed sees that there's momentum there. So they've really stopped talking about housing. Jobs, on the other hand, is something they've still been focused on. And the last two jobs reports for um, October and November were both both really good. I think we had a, a, a little bit of a, a slowdown in hiring maybe in the late summer months. Um, into the fall, but now we've seen um, some good numbers. We're back to you know adding 200 plus thousand jobs per month. The last couple of, of reports, mm-hmm. we've seen unemployment. The unemployment rate stay at five percent. Um, it's so the jobs market's healing. It, it's doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, we the big issue still that remains in in jobs is wage growth. That's yep. still the biggest issue, yep. and they've even acknowledged that still. Yeah, Yellen had a really nice summary, if, if you got a chance to see her report, um, and she she hit on that pretty hard. You know, Her predictions were, it was nice, they predicted out to 2017 as to what they think will happen, and they felt like next year unemployment will get even better in the sense that it will get lower, the rate. Drop into the fours. Drop into the fours, and I, they think it'll kind of plateau out, but still drop in all the way until 2017, their concern was the population of individuals are employed, but they're still under what, you know, maybe they were making on average back before the recession. And so household income is still not really, um, you know, grown into this new economy we live in now. Yeah. And I think where that hurts the everyday, where it hurts us on a macro scale is that you know, sure, gas is going down, so people have a little bit more discretionary income because they're not paying much at the pump. But it's not enough to be a game changer, you know. And unfortunately, most Americans take that money and go to Olive Garden or, like, you know, they spend it out at dinner. It's not enough to be like, okay, now we can afford to buy more house or now we can afford to, um, you know, get a house. Or we can go get the new the new car that yep. we've so desperately needed or that new refrigerator because ours is, yep. you know, running on fumes. Yep. It does, you know, wage growth is important to keeping 
keeping things moving in our economy. And right. I mean, if you look back, really, there hasn't been significant wage growth since the turn of the century. Um, so we've been kind of stuck in a 15 year rut here. And um, in the last couple of reports, if there's any glimmer of optimism um, as on the wage growth front, we've seen more significant wage growth, albeit, you know, it's still still pretty small, but mm-hmm. we've we've starting to see an uptick in wage growth these uh, with these most recent employment report. So a little bit, um, a little bit more optimism there. Um, something they're still going to focus on. And then there's inflation. The other big component that the fed is watching inflation continues to be a little problematic. Um, we're seeing it run well under their target rate. The fed looks at CPI Mm -hmm. for their inflation numbers. They Mm want to see inflation increase at a 2% annual rate. Mm-hmm. And right now, with the most recent reading for inflation for the Consumer Price Index, um, the the year-over-year number was at plus 0.5%. Now, when you strip out food and energy, mm-hmm. which is now called the core CPI, because food and energy tend to be a little more volatile. <clears throat> well, everyone has to use that every month, right? I mean, yeah, definitely. But you know, th- when you strip that out, You've seen the other, the remaining basket of goods. Um, they've actually increased year over year at a at a one point nine or, or right right around that two percent number. So the core number is looking good, but that's not what the Fed looks at because I hope because they realize that food and energy are pretty big items that consumers spend their money on every month. Yeah. Um, yeah. ar- arguably number two and number three on your list of household expenses Correct. with number one being housing. Yeah. Um, so they look at that, that consumer price number, which is still running well below target. And when you, when you have that, it actually, um, incentivizes low interest rate policy, but we've been stuck in low interest rate policy for such a long time that there's other factors, you know, we've got huge national debt that um you know some people believe keeping rates low is is bad for that mm. although it helps make the interest stay low on that debt also so well i think that if i may just interject um yellen also made a very good point which is i think a, an insurance policy strategy she basically said you know if we do not move upward with the rate we don't have a counter move to a recession we don't have an ability to go lower. I mean, we can't. If we if we take the benefit from going in recession and lowering lowering rates, we have to we have to plan so that we have rates high enough that if we hit recession again, we can counter move. And I think that that's for my interest. That's exactly what we pay her for. You know, sure. That's what they need to be looking for. Is let's not get into this again. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean. Shortly after the 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 economic crash, the, they deployed every tool in their disposal. They dropped interest rates to zero. They're buying um, treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. They're offering offering stimulus if you buy a new car, or buy a home, or add some you know anything and everything that's going to add meaningful <clears throat> stimulus to the economy. They were they deployed, and now they've slowly brought those things back. We're being forced out here into the top of the hour break. Um, we're More gonna of con- this talk. We're going to continue with this uh, data talk here as we get into the new hour, and we're also going to get into our year-end predictions. So go water the dog and freshen your coffee, and we'll be back with more Mortgage Matters.
mean one, Mr. Grinch. You really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus. You're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. <laughs> I love that. Tony the Tiger, did you realize that? Oh, that's the voice? That's the voice. I didn't. Same guy. Sounds a lot like Dan when Dan sings. Oh, yeah? Yeah. (laughs) The baritone. Yeah. Um, Thurl Ravenscroft's the guy's name. We'll give him some credit. We we read this. We have this story at home, so we read it to my son at night. He likes it. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a a fun story to read. I enjoy this one. Mm -hmm. Um, The Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, so we were in the middle of a discussion, kind of setting the stage for the Fed rate hike that occurred this past week. We talked about how housing really hasn't been talked about too much by the Fed because it's mostly healed, aside from some short supply. Talked about jobs and how jobs have made a nice rebound. Still some work to go in wage growth, which mm-hmm. we're hopeful that we start to see more momentum there. Um I think and that's kind of where we were settling down. Yeah, we talked wage growth. And then we were talking inflation. Yes. And inflation right. still running under target, right. although there are some signs that inflation is going to pick up a little bit. Um, here, when you, when you strip out the volatile food and energy, we've seen that the core CPI is actually running at the target 2% rate. So with all, all of that, the Fed met... Tuesday and Wednesday, and on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, announced a quarter point increase in the Fed funds rate. Mm-hmm. So they maintained the range, which is a little different from how the Fed fund funds usually is is offered. Usually, it's just a rate. You know, it's it's a quarter percent, or it's you know, well, usually it's a lot higher. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here in these in these um, unique times, they've they had lowered it to a range of zero to a quarter percent and with their fed with their hike of a quarter percent they raised the range to a quarter to a half percent fed funds range um that's interesting yeah i I find it to be interesting too that that there's this range um we speculated that they could have maybe maybe kind of shocked us a little and done an eighth of a point hike or you know something like that but no they they kind of stuck to what what was expected um, 90% of economists leading up to this decision expected a quarter percent rate hike. Mm-hmm. Um, last week we were on the show predicting how this would go. And I'm proud. I, I think this might've been the first prediction that I got hundred percent correct. Right on the head. Um, quarter percent rate hike. And we actually saw mortgage rates hold steady and even decline in the day after um, on Friday as well. Yeah, on Friday or yeah, Thursday and Friday, we saw continued declines, ever so slight, um, in interest rates. So it was. I, I think it's a good reminder to to our listeners that the Fed doesn't set mortgage interest rates. That's not their job. The Fed. The Fed determines monetary policy for the United States. That's what they do, and they're they're. Their mandate is to um, maintain full employment mm-hmm. and reasonable inflation to help 
keep the economy moving. Yes. So those are the two things the Fed's focused on, and and they 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 adjust monetary policy to facilitate those mandates. So that's what they do. Mortgage rates are determined by the trading of mortgage-backed securities. Mortgage-backed securities are instruments that are very closely tied to U.S. treasuries, in particular the 10-year treasury yield. At least that's what the 30-year fixed mortgage rate is closely tied to. Some of your other um, mortgage instruments, like a 15-year mortgage or a 5-year arm or a 3-year arm, those are tied to those shorter duration those treasuries. Yeah, yeah, the two, three, five, and seven year treasuries. Those are, they're tied more closely to that. But the benchmark for the mortgage market for the 30 year fixed mortgage is the 10 year treasury note. Mm-hmm. So that's how it all kind of trickles down. Um, the Fed made it an increase in interest rates. We actually saw that, that leading up to that, 90% expected it. So it was already priced into the market. We had seen a climb in interest rates over the past several weeks, if not months. I mean, it's been speculated since June that this rate hike was going to occur, um, and it right. didn't happen. So we've seen some volatility. We've seen we've seen some back and forth over that time, but leading up to this December hike, it was all but a done deal. And so the market's already anticipated it. It was already priced in. We've already been operating in a mortgage market that assumed that we were at this quarter to half percent fed funds rate so really no change to to mortgage rates the only thing that was immediately changed was the prime rate we saw moments after the fed announcement bank of america wells fargo jp morgan chase city and then a bunch of other banks that you may or may not be familiar with they all came out and raised their prime rate because the banks set the prime rate. Yes. The prime rate that gets displayed in the Wall Street Journal and other major news publications is the average of all the major bank prime rates. Mm. So the prime rate immediately went up. So who was impacted by that? People with an equity line yep. tied to their mortgage, a HELOC, mm-hmm. right? A home equity line of credit. credit those are balances. those are often tied to prime. Those went up a quarter mm-hmm. point immediately. Credit cards, um, those have gone up. What didn't go up was the bank's payment on your deposits. Mm. That didn't go up. So the banks just made a little bit of money because they're charging you more for certain uh, certain uh, loans that they offer consumers, but they're not paying more to the depositors. That's the non-liquid deposits too, so CDs didn't go up. As far as we know, as far as I know, in fact, I mean that was part of these um, these bank announcements was that they they clearly stated that they're raising the rates on on certain liabilities, yeah. but not on the not on the deposits. So wow, that's good. Well, time to get back into financials, I guess. Yeah. So banks enjoyed a little bump in in uh, in their stocks, right? At least immediately, but then we saw the next two days weren't so hot for the stock market. Well, that's interesting too. You know, uh, one with regards to uh, the interest rate being p- priced in already. You know, mortgage rates being thought of. I don't know how far ahead these these pricings are done. You know, if it's six months, three months ahead, we're looking. But what's interesting to me is that the international or foreign markets, if you will, are doing so poorly that. You know, the 10-year, if the 10-year starts doing much better, 
we're going to have a lot more international investors saying, you know what, I think I just should give you my money instead of putting it with Spain or Germany or, you know, any of these other countries. Sure. And, and that is a concern for the <clears throat> Fed as well, very relevant to what we're talking about. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that you said that, that most of our 30-year fixed mortgages are tied to the 10-year. If you could scale back just a bit more, the 10-year's really got a lot of pressure on it right now because as it raises, or if it raises, it's going to get an influx of cash coming towards it just as an investment, a sure. nice 10-year secure return. Sure, yeah. And it's... that could push interest rates up. So I feel like... It's an interesting conundrum we're in, you know? It's we want been, money from those other foreign investors, but we don't want too much because people that live here need to have affordable affordable mortgages. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting trade because the, the tenure has been a safe haven in these times of uh, economic uncertainty worldwide. Um, but now as we begin to go into a rate, uh, an increasing rate cycle, you know, it's going to put upward pressure on those yields. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be a little more attractive not necessarily for the safe haven reason, but just because the return's a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But when more money comes into those treasuries, that puts downward pressure on the yield because there's more demand. So it's going to be interesting. I think right. that increasing demand is going to help also still keep the the rising rates more modest. You know, the, the pace of the the increase is a little more modest. Um, also, and, and like you said, you look overseas, you look at, at Europe in particular, where they're still recovering. They're still in a recovery process. They're still in a rate-cutting stimulus type of, of an economic environment they're to help QE, yeah. bring their economy back up um, because they didn't jump on that program as soon as we did. So they're still lagging behind in the recovery process. Sure. So... I think that's a very relevant point. You know, they are most those countries are economic allies and we don't want to separate ourselves too far because it's going to put them in a in a detrimental position. And with your allies, you don't want to kick them while they're down. So right. For, right. for multiple reasons, whether it be, you know, not getting too far away from not not having our interest rates get too far away from our other economic allies. Also, just to make sure that our economy can handle rate increases. Mm -hmm. I believe the Fed, you know, while we've seen the the major economic numbers improve, they still believe there's some some fragility, I guess, to to our economy and that it could take a step backwards, which is why they keep reminding us that, hey, this is this is a move forward, but we can always do the step back if needed. Mm -hmm. um, they that's a sign that they still believe there's some uncertainty and and a fragile nature to our economy. So Absolutely. they want to implement this first rate hike, and then just watch, see how the markets react, see if 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 it can handle it, see how GDP and consumer spending and and these things are impacted by higher interest rates before they make the next move. So typically in a rate in an increasing rate cycle, you'll see moves, you'll see moves higher in almost every Fed meeting, um, sometimes more than just a quarter point. Sometimes you'll see them bump at a half a point mm -hmm. or more um, in a in a rate increasing rate cycle. They have let us know very clearly that that's not going to be how this increasing rate cycle works. The expectations are for three to four rate hikes in calendar year 2016. 
So we're talking one a quarter, not one every meeting. There are 10 meetings a year. So they're going to go at a slow pace, likely to go at quarter point increments. Although they said at the end of 2016 that Fed funds rate, which currently sits at a quarter to a half, could be as high as one and a half percent. So that's a signal that there could be four hikes at a quarter percent, or they could slip in one at maybe a half percent. But that's the pace that we're expecting mm-hmm. as the as we embark on 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the very the very the 800 pound gorilla in the room is crude oil. Sure, like you know we went below. I think we're at 35 dollars per gallon. Goldman Sachs made a prediction on December 18th yesterday that we could see crude oil in the 20s because wow. OPEC has to get supply to that point where where $20 a barrel happens. Otherwise, we can still produce in the United States. There's, There's some... I'm sorry, you finished your point there. I thought no, 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 it's fine. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, if that's happening on one channel, mm-hmm. the news, how can the Fed be sitting in an office saying, you know, now's the time to do, we gotta do a quarter rate hike. I mean, we might get a pass, like you said, Dan, see what happens, maybe barrel comes back by the end of quarter two and we get a, we get a half a point hike because the economy's adjusted for that huge variable, crude oil is, is such a huge variable. Are they taking into effect what could happen with this whole ISIL thing or whatever, the, where they supposedly control some oil and stuff like that? We might have to go in and kind of deal with their You know, issues. I don't know. I think it's getting, it's getting geopolitical for sure. Mm-hmm. I think what, what I find is that um, it's this is not a game like for OPEC. Right. They're like, it's like round eight or nine and they're looking for the knockout punch because mm-hmm. They they have they have the supply, you know. Hmm. Saudi Arabia's got tons of oil, and I'm not hmm. trying to get off onto like politics and and the world economy. But I yeah. do think that it's a big factor in 2016 as we start to make our predictions here, Dan. You know, it's got to be we have to set the table, right? We can't just tell these listeners, oh, this will happen. Talk sure. to you next year. I think there's a lot of considerations <clears throat> to be made when um, we think how these rate hikes will roll out. And everyone that's really listening is probably thinking, how does this affect me, you know? Yeah, and, and I, I think the message that um, I want to put out there is a, is a message of calm. You know, this the Fed is doing what needs to be done. Um, it, it's called normalization. It's getting back to normal, getting away from artificially low interest rates. It's yeah. getting away from, you know, right. s- stimulating the economy. We're, we're getting back to our economy standing on its own two feet and figuring out what normal is again. Right. It's been so long since since we've had normal with respect to Fed rate policy. Right. Um, and, and so this is an exciting time, I think. And and it's not something to be afraid of. What it's what it's going to mean for you is that eventually you are going to see higher rates of return on your savings and your CDs and your retirement accounts and, you know, all those depository accounts that you have. So that's going to be good news for everyone. Yeah, it's going to mean that borrowing is going to be a little more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're when you go out and apply for that new auto loan or that new mortgage or that mm-hmm. new credit card, the rates are going to be a little bit higher, mm-hmm. but it's not going to be an overnight jump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to remind people that the Fed does not set these rates for all these, you know, auto loans and, sure. and and home loans in particular, they're impacted by other market influences. So um, the markets usually operate about 
six months ahead of schedule. They they anticipate what's the the policy changes that are coming down um, in advance, and they're pricing those things into the market. So we're going to see gradual increases. And I I have to remind people that three and four percent mortgage rates is not normal. (laughs) What's normal is six to eight percent. Mm-hmm. mortgage rates that's mm-hmm. normal that's a normal market so when rates go from four to four and a quarter you're still at historically low interest rates these are amazing times still yeah and one can argue if you look back at the the economy when the rates were at that stage we were at a good state of unemployment and people were probably making good wages and one of the things we have to give to get is we have to give up on these low interest rates if we want to start seeing employers pay out more wage sure They've got to have a balance sheet that can justify giving a 10% raise to their labor staff. Otherwise, Wall Street's going to punish them. Yeah. It's all it's all in there's going to be balance to everything. Um, you know, we're not just going to see rates go up and Right. The the Fed is not going to allow us to choke ourselves. We're not going to we're not going to we want to see the economy grow even more than it is so today. Yep. So they're going to apply their policy with that in mind. In fact, some of the key words from the policy statement, they said that they will be making um, gradual rate increases going forward. That's a key word, gradual. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be data dependent. So they're going to continue to monitor how these gradual increases are impacting our markets as the data comes out month over month. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a slow and steady ride um, back up. Uh, A couple other points uh, here. The Fed expects economic conditions will evolve in a manner that will warrant only gradual increases in the Fed funds rate. The federal funds rate is likely to remain for some time below levels that are expected to prevail in the longer run. However, the actual path of the Fed funds rate will depend on the economic outlook as informed by incoming data. I mean, it's they just say it over and over and over again that. We're going to take it slow and steady, and if things start to start to slow down, we're we have now a new tool in our bag to to stimulate again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's exciting, I think, and I and I want to, you know, yeah. Mortgage rates actually went down after this Fed rate announcement. Yeah, there's a couple weird things that happened in the market on Friday. Just kind of a perfect storm, if you will. You know the. The witching day so all those indexed options and other options and contracts came due and also uh, futures came due so a lot of people that got all their money back from a contract did a lot of things in the market because they just got a, a the assurance that the rate hike happened and then also we've got this situation where right before the rate hike happened it's like the market was showing the fed hey we're ready to take a hit it went up to 17.8 almost 17.9 the dow jones Mm-hmm. And I think it was really an adjustment. And as you might know, listeners, when the Dow Jones has these big drop days, mortgage rates get a little bit better on the interim. You know, you get a little bit, it's, it gets a little bit easier for us to sell a loan where we can maybe drop an eighth of a point in interest rate or give our borrower back a bit more credit because banks are giving us more commission money uh rebate if you will to sell that loan at that price Mm -hmm. and it moves every day and that's why it's good to have a relationship with your loan officer that can say hey now is the time to do a refinance um i saw an 
interview on, I think it was ABC with uh, one of my favorite shows, Shark Tank. There's a couple of the folks there, Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, yeah. and uh, Barbara Corcoran. She's the real estate investor, right. the New York real estate investor um, on the show. They were giving some advice to the everyday Joe out there on how to manage debt. And they said that with this imminent rate hike, because this interview was was prior to the hike, uh, they okay. said, now's the time, if you haven't done so already, to fix your debt. So those folks who've been enjoying an adjustable rate mortgage that is adjusted down to the floor rate of yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever it is, two and a quarter, three and a quarter percent, um, that we're now entering a new time. We've come off of, the, we've enjoyed 30 years of declining interest rates. Things are going to change now. We're probably going to go into a cycle of a decade or more right. of rising Reverting. interest rates. Yeah. And so now's the time to lock in those low interest rates. Four, four and a quarter percent is a great long-term interest rate for yeah. a 30-year debt. So if you're in an adjustable rate mortgage and you've enjoyed it and you've waited till the last minute to fix your loan, mm -hmm. do it now. Mm -hmm. um, get, mm -hmm. get that rate. Yeah, you might experience it a temporary bump up but let me tell you when when your next rate adjustment comes it's going to start to go higher so fix it now and then you'll know you'll have a predictable um a more predictable uh p l so to speak for your household sure. going forward sure. it's going to be better for you to manage your debt um, auto loans you don't have to worry so much about because auto loans are fixed for a certain period of time, You know, usually a five right. or seven year term on your auto loan, and those are a fixed rate. So if you have an auto loan, you're, you're pretty safe there. Credit cards, on the other hand, do um, are tied to a prime variable. rate. They're yeah. variable. So that's one where you want to look to pay down that consumer debt and get off of that wheel. Mm -hmm. um, Even consider, if, if I may add, Consider an installment loan scenario where you could get, right now, banks are willing to lend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 unsecured. Mm -hmm. Get that consumer debt paid off, that revolving debt, for two reasons. One, give yourself security that you know what your payment is. And B, it looks a lot better to future banks you're going to do business with. The bureau gives you more points, if you will. Your score will look better because installment loans are a better style of loan as a to have as a borrower than revolving debt. Yeah, they definitely provide. We've um, talked about this. They're they're looked at as there's more clout, I guess you could say, from an installment loan impacting your credit score. Mm -hmm. When you mm -hmm. there's a hierarchy to the different types of debt. Real estate's number one. If you pay a real estate loan on time, that's gonna have the biggest impact on your credit score. Installment is next, and then your consumer debt is next, your revolving debt. Yep. So that was some of the advice from very successful business people. Um, that don't have debt. That, that don't have a lot of debt. But <laughs> I'm sure know, they have debt. They, they sure used they to debt. be average Joes, I think, back yeah. when they were younger, and they've, they've made you know, great investments along the way. But you know, their advice to people was fix the debt. Yep. Fix it. Get off the wheel of, yep. of adjustable rate stuff. So. That's right. It's. I think it's. It's good. I. We've been preaching it for a while. You're hearing it from others outside. Um, I think it's really important for, for most people to just make sure their debt is is fixed and they know what their outgo is every month and hopefully the income starts to rise and 
you know, the household. Just a prudent time of year. You know, you're thinking 2015's done. What are my goals for next year? You got a little downtime. Take this next month and make an action plan with your personal finances so that you can capitalize in 2016. And we're going to talk about 2016 when we come back. From, That's right. From the break, which I think is imminent. So stick around for the last half an hour of our 2015 show. We'll be right back to talk about our predictions, both Dan and I. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending. Give yourself the best possible chance to buy your dream home with our 21-day close. We get you fully pre-approved before you find your house so you can write a shorter, easier offer and beat out the competition. It's time for you to be the offer that gets accepted. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, in Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800 549 5832. Now, back to the show. It's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Uh, have a it is a great time of year. I feel like these songs, they just, yes, they make me happy. I, I wish I could remember more of the words. I end up humming about 90% of them yeah. until you get to the chorus. I mean, these are ti- they're, they're timeless, actually. So <laughs> I've got my one-year-old daughter doing the hey in the jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle bells. <laughs> That's cute. Oh, what fun is riding a one-horse open sleigh? And then she goes, hey. It's fun. On, on cue? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. She's got it. Woo. 
Yeah. She can do E-I-E-I-O to Old McDonald, too. Wow. Yeah. We might need to get America's talent. Totally. Well, that's the funny thing, though, is like if you like you hear White Christmas, you want Big Crosby. Yeah, if you yeah, want yeah. Burl Ives for Holly Jolly Christmas. I mean, Alan Jackson does it, but who wants Alan Jackson? She wants Burl Ives. Right. You know, that's the, 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 they're timeless. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think there's a couple artists that hit certain songs very well. Mm-hmm. Lord knows Michael Bublé tries to do them all. Yeah, he does yeah. pretty good. He does pretty good, He's got actually. That, that's a pretty good show. Did I like your... a Mariah Carey Christmas. She's, yeah. She's he did the good. Chipmunks song. He did the Chipmunks uh, Christmas ah. song on the, his last Christmas uh, show, and it was it was he awesome. I had the it. Chipmunks Christmas record when I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I did, too. Just so we're... We're old because we had records. In sack. <laughs> right. right. Dixon, to... Dixon, let me tell you what a record is. Yeah, right. <laughs> They're starting to press some records again, too, so the kids are going to know. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Rec- yeah. Vinyls. The other day, I made a cool quote again. from the movie Goonies, and Dixon, our processor, was just like kind of, it was the truffle shuffle quote, and he just kind of like pity chuckled, and I'm like, you don't know what that is. <laughs> and everyone else is laughing, and he was like, no, I never saw Goonies. And I was just like spun around in my chair no it's here (laughs) i'm old (laughs) yeah all right here we are we're gonna we're gonna apply all of our wisdom today because we have all this worldly experience Mm -hmm. and we're Mm -hmm. going to uh we're gonna tell you what's gonna happen next year i mean you could just write it down in pen take some notes here because this stuff's happening we charged the crystal ball from the beginning of the show it's ready to go this is this is going down so, um, yeah, this is a, this is fun to just kind of predict what's what we expect to happen for next year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, predictions are you know proven to be wrong quite often. Yeah, hindsight's always twenty twenty. We were quite wrong on some predictions from last year. I think going forward, I I, I feel like um, predictions for certain things are going to be a little bit easier. Yeah, this year. Okay. For instance, let's let's start with a cream puff here. Okay. Let's talk some Fed rate policy. Okay. What do you anticipate for 2016 as far as Fed interest rate policy? I anticipate three quarters of a point total, and I anticipate no rate increase at the end of quarter one in 2016. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I do. So you're thinking two, three, quarter two, three, and half four. Half in June, because oh. I think, yeah, I think a half in June. And my reason being is I think that that's a time where there's a lot of demand for real estate anyways. Most people are moving, buying, selling. So even though it'll be kind of a bummer for the person selling because it'll reduce purchase power a bit, I think people still got to buy their house at that time. And I don't think real estate's the whole reason that, that it'll happen then. I think also we're coming through what will be a very high weather, high, high, high rain, El Nino here on the West Coast. And weather has always retarded the economy a bit. So I think it'll be tough to just make a rate pass. It's in half, and then once that half sinks in, I think we'll see another quarter point in the end of the third quarter and or maybe the end of the year. Hmm. But nothing will happen in quarter one. Okay. Interesting. Um, I And I see the rationale there. We've Two years running, we've had, um, I believe, negative GDP for the first quarter of the year. Yeah. Um, just, so I... And I, I agree with you. A lot of it's been blamed on weather. So we're we're anticipating... And a lot of it's been East Coast weather. You know, we don't have a lot of weather here the last yeah, yeah. couple of years in what California. What was it called? The vortex? Yeah, polar, the polar vortex, vortex. Really slowed things down <laughs> in the East. 
eastern part of our country. Not not so much here where we just enjoy sunshine all the time. Right. This year sounds like it's going to be a little different. Maybe the West Coast is going to be the one that mm-hmm. kind of lags the country behind. Mm-hmm. Although we know, according to the media, the East Coast really is all that matters. So who even cares, right? That's how they. That's how I feel about it in baseball too. It's like, are we the ones winning all the World Series? Why do we care about the Yankees all the time? <laughs> um, so yeah, okay, interesting. I'm expecting three rate hikes next year. Okay. All quarter point increases. Okay. I too believe that we will. Um, while I don't think we're going to see one at the end of the first first quarter being March, I, I think April is when we'll see the first. Hike. So the beginning of the second quarter, okay. I think, will be the next rate hike. Okay. Um, I think three total for a total of three quarters of a point. And we'll have that Fed funds rate. Um, I believe they'll probably get away from the range also because that's not very typical. So I think at the end of 2016, we'll have a Fed funds rate of one and a quarter percent. Mm. That's what I believe. Um, okay. So depending on which side of the range you're on, it might actually be a full point increase. Right. Um, so yeah, that that's my prediction. All right, next natural one. segue. So where do you think the thirty-year fixed mortgage rate will be? Natural segue. Yeah, um, one could argue before the Fed rate hike with good credit and a reasonable amount down, you could get a house a thirty-year at four and an eighth, four and a quarter today. Yeah, today I actually on Friday was looking at a you know cookie cutter scenario at four percent with I had, no points. Yeah, I I try not to just jump to that, but yeah, a lot of my deals are coming in at four. With you know less than twenty percent down, but just good credit scenario, I think it would be tough to say higher than four and a half. I really do. I do. I know I said three quarter point, and I and I don't have the the hundred percent understanding of how all that comes right to the thirty year fix. But I think four and a half will do it because I just don't think wages are going to go up next year. I just don't think they're going to go up enough. Hmm. All right, I'm going to go a little higher. I think uh, I think we're gonna be in in the high fours, the four and three quarters to five percent range, you know, maybe four point eight seven five. I think that's where a thirty year fixed will be when you're buying a home in December of twenty sixteen. Okay. With your cookie cutter conventional loan scenario. Half of a point higher than it is today would be well, three quarters of a point higher than it is today. How would that hurt someone who was gonna buy a four hundred thousand dollar house? Mm-hmm. They make the same amount of money. So if they're making the same amount of money at this time next year, purchase power is likely going to be lower mm-hmm. um, and unless guidelines somehow change. But assuming guidelines remain static and income remains static, you're going to see someone who could afford a $400,000 home today is probably going to be looking more in the three twenty five to three fifty range for their home. Mm-hmm. At the same time, with rising interest rates, you're probably going to see home value appreciation continue to slow down. The most recent reading here in San Luis Obispo County was um, home value increase of 6.1%. Okay. Um, so That's a, is that, did you say county? That was for San Luis Obispo County. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, that was for the fiscal year of 2015 it was up 6.1%. I don't, I mean, obviously December data hasn't been Correct. Um, factored into that. Statewide, the most recent reading was a 4.4% increase in home values. I think we're going to get to something. So let here we're going to talk home, a prediction. home value appreciation. Um, I think when we reflect back on the year of 2016, we're going to see home values increasing about 3% mm-hmm. 
in the county, probably in the 2% range statewide and, and probably nationally as well. Uh, nationally, I agree with that. Countywide, I disagree. And here's why. The inventory here is so abysmal. You know, we start deals. Uh, I've been in many purchase deals this, this year, probably close to 25 that I've won. So maybe 40 that I've been in. And the price range will start a little bit lower than it probably should be intentionally to get multiple offers in to attract a bidding war and therefore getting houses to sell more than they were listed for. Or I think the average is 98% of listing price. So what what happens is a lot of those houses are, you know, you make an offer for the listing price. It's a little bit higher than probably should be, but the appraisers seeing all these comparables where people did over ask, over, you know, overpay. And um, there are only a few houses for people to get. And they're thinking, I want to live here. I got to pay more. So countywide, to bring it back to my final prediction, is I think we'll stay in the 5%, 5 to 6% range for appreciation. Okay. Nationally, I can see it slowing down for all the reasons we've talked about before this, you know, where I don't see wages going up as much and the interest rate will go up. I, I want to offer a little more rationale for for my my lower prediction here it, and it has to do with the inventory that currently exists I think there's a lot of stale inventory I, when I look in the you know the real estate real estate section of, of just our local paper a lot of the homes that I see pictured are homes that I've seen pictured for several weeks or months and I think that mm. this changing economic environment is going to offer some some ammunition to the real estate community to to let the owners of the stale inventory know that, hey, you know, mortgages aren't going to be more affordable going forward. They're going to be less affordable. So the buyers that can qualify for the purchase price that you know, that, that could buy this home today, mm -hmm. they're going to be fewer going forward because affordability is going to go down in a rising interest rate environment. So if you want to get this home sold, we should do it sooner than later. And, you know, a price drop may be what it takes. There's something there's, a, I, I feel like there are two types of homes on the market today. Homes that are there's no functional obsolescence, you know, the, you don't have to go through a bathroom to get to a bedroom. There's, you know, the, the home is just a nice layout. It's, it's got the amenities that most people want, you know, even if it's an older home, it's still, it's still got the amenities that they want or the future potential for the upgrades and things like that. Um, and it's priced right. It goes quickly. It goes in a week or two weeks. And then there's the home that's either not priced for the market or there's something weird with the property. Sure. You know, or it or just needs a lot of work or it's just, in, you know, it's on that weird corner where you're surrounded by commercial buildings and a gas station or something. It's just, you know, it's just weird. It's maybe it's a non-conforming type of property and it's just not as desirable to a lot of people. So I think in an effort to move that stale inventory out, you're, you may see um, that impact overall numbers the overall um, appreciation numbers sure know, just a thought yeah. maybe i'm reaching there's mo uh <clears throat> well their logic is sound right but we also have to say if listeners don't know this is a good time to take note in february there's three new projects 
that'll be building brand new homes in San Luis Obispo um, County. And then there's more up in, in Templeton that uh, I know are going off now. One, right next to Sarah Meadows, there's a, going to be a huge development going in, uh, the Toscana development, which those houses are, that neighborhood's been doing well. I mean, they can't build them fast enough. So those houses are going to be priced a little bit higher. Maybe not the best comp for someone that's over near Laguna Lake or, you know, uh, over in the in the arbors per se. But there's going to be a lot of options where um, people are going to be moving out of these these homes they've lived in, moving up into a, a newer development. And they're going to be want to, wanting to sell their homes to people who need to pay a fair value for it. Yeah. So I think that just that activity is going to create, can it, excuse me, that stabilize off- the yeah. appreciation. Yeah, it could offset... Um, you know, maybe declines in the stale stuff. I th- yeah, we could yeah. go round and round and round yeah. and round, right? It's a prediction. It's a prediction. What's our next prediction? Or is that it? No, we've got we've got more. But okay. we're gonna we've got one more commercial break. So oh, perfect. We need to do that. I predict we're gonna do that. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's do it. This yeah. is uh, this is the final break of 2015. Uh, stick around for more mortgage matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. This is Jason Grody with Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. As mortgage experts, we can help you refinance your home or investment property. We can lower your rate, shorten your term, or get rid of your mortgage insurance. Don't miss the opportunity to improve your financial situation. Call Central Coast Lending today. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing opportunity real estate broker. California Bureau of Real Estate number 018-39608. NMLS number 328-358. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people. Agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. It's beginning to look a lot like 
Christmas everywhere you go. Take a look in the five and ten. Listen and once again with candy canes and Thank you again for joining us on Mortgage Matters. We really do um, appreciate you listening. I know that uh, it's not always you don't always have a question or a comment, so we get it. We know you're out there. Um, we try to provide some value here to you in the community and uh, help guide you. And today we're ha- trying to help guide you for the full year next year. Yep. Based on our um, highly educated predictions. Here. Academic. Yeah. So we were talking in the break. What else can we predict? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a whole other segment of the market. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're talking like the business side of things. Yeah. We've, we've talked a lot about jobs and, and wage growth. Mm-hmm. Are we going to continue to see the kind of jobs, job growth that we've enjoyed this year? This has been a great year for job growth for us. Yeah. Really beginning late last year into this year, it's carried forward. I think, I, I haven't seen final numbers or anything, obviously, but I, th- I think we're probably pretty close to about 200,000 jobs added per month over the course of the entire year. I'd say that's accurate. Think that can sustain next yeah, year? non-farm jobs. And I, I don't think it can. I don't think it can. Um, I also think that, you know, with the, with the uh, prime rate going up quarter point, it makes it difficult for these corporations who carry corporate debt to fund their operations, help with R&D. Um, really, that's going to hurt their bottom line. And they're going to have to be, just like the Fed is watching how things happen, they're going to have to pause a bit and see what happens to their revenue when, and, and then adjust from there and see if they can hire more. Mm-hmm. And, and even if they hire more, I don't see how they could, if you, in big corporations, if you give certain people a raise, you usually give like a department a raise, right? It's not just like you pull out, you know, Mr. Smith and say, hey, you're getting a 2% raise. Those aren't, mm-hmm. those aren't the raises that are going to move the economy. It's going to be like the Walmart scenario we had earlier this year. We're bumping everyone up a dollar. So I, I don't, I, in the corporate world, I don't see jobs continuing to hire 200,000. Or excuse me. Yeah. Uh, the jobs report to report 200,000 new jobs every month. I really don't. I agree. I, I, I think we'll probably over the course of the year see an average of about 150 to 180,000 jobs per month um, for the very same reasons. We've already heard some companies announcing layoffs in the next year. Right. I think in anticipation of some of the, you know, what you talked about, their corporate debt's going to go higher as interest rates rise. Right. Corporations too have enjoyed the benefit of low interest rates. It's impacted their P&L in a positive way right. and afforded them the opportunity to, to hire and, and, um, and going forward, that may not be the case. Business, they may be anticipating some business activity slowing down, depending on the industry. Yep. So I, I think that we'll see um, the jobs numbers go down ever so slightly at the same time. you know, And also because you look at the unemployment rate, 5%. I mean, it's, it's widely believed that full employment is around 5% unemployment. Yeah. But that's considered... Fu- we're right there. That's considered full because there's right there, there are there is a segment of the population that um, isn't employable, um, and the Fed even targets that five percent as yep. their full employment metric. So we're reaching, according to Fed definition, a full employment. But however, I I do think that we're going to start to see more significant wage growth going forward because 
even though the hiring is going to slow down, um, more and more people are working again. And now we're going to see as jobs open up, people who are already working applying for those jobs and in order to attract the good talent you're gonna have to pay a little more we've even seen that on a local level at our own company Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know you can't just put out an offer for a position at minimum wage and expect people to to apply for that there's or what you used to think was competitive wage sure even yeah even a competitive wage yeah um you have to pay a little bit more to hire someone who's got some skills got got a little bit of talent right um so i think that we're going to start to see wage growth actually make some meaningful steps forward. Mm. And I think that's going to be great for everyone. Um, Hard for me to put a number on it. I think the most recent reading was average wages were right around $26 an hour. Mm. I think we could see that move up you know, north of thirty dollars an hour, maybe. 30, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think over the course of last year, we saw maybe a 50 um, cent increase, if that. So maybe I'm getting a little that's ambitious. That's a 10%. You're talking, yeah proportionally you're talking yeah. about a ten percent increase. I mean it's I mean it's like a couple cents each per month. It's pretty minimal. So maybe I'm I'm going crazy. Maybe like twenty twenty eight dollars a month. I know there's some you know on the political side that there's a lot of efforts to sure. raise minimum wage to fifteen dollars an hour nationally and things like that. So if any of that comes through that's gonna, you know, push those wages higher too. But I think just simple supply and demand of quality workers is going to lead to higher wages next year. Yeah. There's a, yeah, I think that there's some industries that are just going gangbusters with hiring too. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, the tech industry. Tech, yeah. But on the other hand, banking, the the financial sectors where we've already heard um, that there's going to be some layoffs. Large banks, Morgan Stanley has already said I know Citi was one. I believe Wells was another one that said they're anticipating some layoffs. And we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of jobs here in the financial sector. Hopefully tech sectors and other emerging sectors can absorb some of that. so yeah, I think that's where we're at. I, I would say no on the wage. You say yes. So. I do. I, th- I think we're going to see m- more meaningful growth. I know it's hard to put a number to it. I attempted. I think my predictions are widely inaccurate, but I think it'll be meaningful. Okay. Um, the stock market, as long as we're talking corporation yeah, stuff, where do you think? Well. Uh, what do you think the Dow is going to be at at the end of 2016? Right now, we're at about 17.2. I think. Yeah. Still think we're slightly overvalued. I'd, I'd see us just just south of 17, 16, 8. Oh, you think we're actually yeah, going to go down? I think the S&P will go down as well because of what I'm talking about with the corporate debt balance. And, um, you know, it sounds like I'm bearish here, but I just think that there's been a nice... Since June, the market's been highly volatile. Mm-hmm. Up, down, up, down, up, down. And we typically always come back to, like, our sea level is right at 17. I think we'll do a little less than that. Seems like the ceiling's... 18. Yeah. We've kind of, we've, we've hit the 17, nine. We've kind of flirted with it, but yeah, it seems to kind of hover in that, that range. You get close to 18. And, and for those listeners that ever play craps, it's like, there's a point in the craps hand where the dealer kind of looks at you and is like, okay, you got a lot of chips out there. You sure you don't want (laughs) to take some out because we have to keep rolling. And if you can, when it drops down to 17, you lose three, 4% in like a week, it drops quick. And, my my theory is that the stock market is um, going to be, it's going to conv- eventually get to 18, but I think it'll be by 2017, 2018. I'm with you. I I will predict no change. 17 yeah. too. 
I think it's going to go up and down and fluctuate like it has been for the past 12 months. I think it's going to do it again, yeah. continue on that path. I think some companies are going to be exposed for being overvalued, that they they did a good job of enjoying the interest rate environment and, sure. and showing a pretty nice looking P&L and balance sheet. But when things start to normalize, they're going to be exposed that maybe they're not growing as much as you think they are and their stock value is going to decline as a result. Mm-hmm. I think other companies are going to be proven to be nice, stable companies and, and they might help balance it out. So I, I see it being the same going forward mm-hmm. uh, or, or at this time next year. Yeah. We're, uh, we're winding down. One more, one more big prediction. Who's going to be in the White House next year? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for this one. Well, Obama will be in the White House next year. No, I'm who, talking next year. Well, true. Who who are will, we gonna, who's going to be elected? You ruined it, Jim. You who's going to be elected? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get a call in after this, but I do think that Donald Trump has a chance. He's a little bit ridiculous in some ways. Um, I, also, I also think that recently... Hillary's kind of pulled herself up by the bootstraps. You think those are the two that are going to duke it out? I think we, it's just funny to say this, but Donald Trump has a very solid chance. If he gets the right cabinet behind him, he could be he could make a splash and make an impact in what maybe what this country needs. Man, I just I have a hard time believing that um, he can win over the American people and be the, the Republican representative, but I don't. I just I feel like someone else with more political experience is going to emerge as the Republican contender to challenge Hillary in this fight. Uh, gosh, we have to have a prediction, Dan. It's going to be Ted Cruz versus Hillary Clinton. Okay. Okay. It could be too. That's what I think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. The problem with Donald is his mouth, but sometimes you really need to have a mouth that's not politically correct, but sometimes he doesn't say it the right way well you're seeing it from from these people that aren't career politicians getting a lot of a lot of interest from people on both sides you got bernie you got ben carson you got donald trump people are looking for some change yeah um so yeah it'll it'll be a a fun year next year um i just want to offer a sincere thank you to all of the the listeners of the show the customers of central coast lending for making it such a great year for our company um we hope that that You've enjoyed the service we provide both on the radio and in our office, and we hope to do more business with you next year. Look us up on the web. We're centralcoastlending.com, and you can give us a call at our office even through the holidays. It's 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll catch you in 2016.